0: This is the episode of September 19th, 2020, featuring a new mind, Esthery, and Justin Shenryu in London. And the topic was uh, introduced by Luis Del Pino. He uh, invited me to take a look at an article on uh, Abraham Maslow's. Theory Z, and it's trying to explain that Abraham Maslow, after he had a heart attack and before he passed away, he, he began to revise his his model called the hierarchy of needs. So he placed another a component called self-transcendence, and he put it uh, as the peak So it's above self-actualization. So that modification, uh, looks like nobody got the memo for it. So we're stuck with that missing peak of the pyramid. We assumed that he meant self-actualization as the top of the pyramid. But um, before he passed away, he thought that it should be self-transcendence. That is above the self-actualization that we think of. So uh, this was a meeting recorded September 19th, 2020 with Luis Del Pino and I talking for uh, about the first nine minutes. And then Estery joined us and then 17 minutes after... 7 a.m. Justin joined us. So without further ado, let's have the meeting speak for itself. Enjoy it. Thank you.
1: Hello, friends.
2: We're back. I'm just waiting on a friend, Luis Del Pino. And there he is, admit. Luis, you're sideways. Unmute yourself.
3: Good morning, Aido. how are you?
2: You're sideways. Oh.
3: Not for long.
2: Maybe I am.
3: No, 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 no. Don't change a thing. (laughs) You're going to make me seasick.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I see you.
3: Good morning, my friend. In a conventional way. (laughs) I'm ready to go. I just invited uh, anyone on LinkedIn that might care to take a look at my post to join our Zoom meeting. And excellent. So far I have one view and I think it's me who view it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the and the what about Francisco or Mike M? Haven't seen um, them in a
1: while.
3: I had Mike yesterday. I know Henry wants to join. So I'm gonna remind I'm gonna do a. Let's see. I'm going to send a message to Henry and Mike. Nice. And nice. so, a message so
0: to
2: Henry in London, just in Shinryu in London. All right. Let's
3: see. So enjoy. this over here, Zoom. Uh, four oh seven. Uh, what's the number?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: What's your number? Four oh seven.
2: Four eight six.
3: Four eight six. What? Eight six four two. Eight six four two. Four eight six eight
2: six four two. No password. Louise is in the house.
3: Okay, boom. And now I'm going to remind my uh, friends in on the other side of the ocean, which is Francisco. Let's see, where are you, Francisco? You're zooming. Francisco. Zoom. Remind. Four o seven eight four six, eight four six. Yes. No, four eight six. Four eight six, eight six four two. 6. Yeah. 486-8-6-4-2. no password. Boom. All right, so I invited Francisco, Henry, Mike. Let's. Uh, all right, I don't think I have anybody else. All right, back in the USSR. All right, should we start? The subject of the day Z really? theory. These oh Rami's here.
2: No, I'm trying oh. to wake him up and <laughs> trying to wake up David too. All right, mm-hmm. David, wake up.
3: So, um, I can't. Well, let's go ahead and start. And then, oh, actually, we have one minute left,
2: David. I need to change the
3: angle of this phone.
1: I'm going to change the angle here. There we go. (sighs) All right. Mm. Hmm. Right. Can you see me?
2: Can you see me?
3: You're frozen. Your video is frozen. Oh, no.
1: I'm
2: back. Oh, look
3: at you. You have blue lights coming out of your ears. <laughs> you are transcendent.
2: <laughs> I'm on my phone. So I switched over to texting messages. So, Rami it's uh,
3: it's 7 a.m., we start our discussion on Z-theory. Z-theory? Z-theory. What,
2: what is that? Uh,
3: so, this uh, Z-theory uh, was uh, concocted somehow by the late uh, Abraham... Maslow, who was a uh, renowned psychologist, who was uh, uh, tired uh, in his profession of studying uh, mentally uh, suffering people. He felt like psychology was focusing only on uh, mental illness. And that's a very big word, mental suffering, let's put it that way. I like that better, mental suffering. Uh, And that uh, it would behoove us all to focus on uh, minds that do not suffer. Trying to study a mind that is functioning properly, meaning that is knowing properly, remembering properly. Processing properly, planning properly, living properly, you know, uh, behaving, uh, getting along with people, going to work, paying the bills, trying to get the white picket fence for that home with a good family, happy family, and living happy, uh, happily ever after, just like in the uh, the kids. Uh, kids' stories. So basically he he said, why don't we study healthy minds?
2: When did he uh, decide
3: doing that? What year was that? I don't know exactly when he did that, but he must have been, yeah, I I think it was more like in the uh, 70s, 70s and 80s. That's when uh, psychology took a turn. Uh, from just studying the the old uh, the old stuff, you know these are the conditions anxiety depression uh, schizophrenia blah 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 and uh and they they started going like into what they called positive psychology human uh, humanistic psychology, and then they went into uh, uh, I think, uh, transpersonal psychology. So they started looking not only at, at studying happy minds, stable minds, and functioning minds, but also they, they, they studied the relationships and the the, and the ecology of the what it is to be happy and healthy and functioning. And of course, they started talking about... Uh, uh, you know the mind and everything around it. So out of that, little by little, the concept of the 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 pyramid of human needs uh, was kind of coalesced, and that became a, an iconic idea: uh, how the mind uh, seeks to fulfill some needs. And of course, at the base of the pyramid, there are the very basic needs of um, air, oxygen, water, food, shelter, uh, uh, the the, the basic needs of uh, of, uh, procreation, uh, sexual needs, which, you know, at the very base are uh, procreation needs. But then from the psychological side, they are Needs for uh, tension release, etc., etc., and then you know up the pyramid we went to belonging, um, uh, affection, uh, attachment, um, professional, uh, uh, professional uh, development, recognition, and so on so on. Up up to the the pyramid we go uh, to what he. Uh, labeled uh, self actualization which is in, in 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 short to develop to to develop to our full potential to get to our full potential given given the environment given the the uh, the outside factors plus our genetic uh, makeup plus our epigenetic uh, uh, buildup, plus our knowledge education history culture traditions to get as far as we can with uh, the cards w- that we are dealt. So basically, we, we are dealt some cards when we're playing poker, and then we have to uh, work our way through that uh, uh, and, and play the game of life and and win the game to, to the best of our ability. So that's that's what. Uh, I believe he he understood as self actualization. Carl, Carl Jung had uh, uh, before him come up with a, a similar term, self individuation, which in and of itself uh, is worth a, a whole zoom uh, zoom uh, meaning. Uh, uh, after a previous study for for uh, uh, Carl Jung, self individuation was in a sense what uh, in the Eastern uh, philosophies they call uh, um, enlightenment, uh, self enlightenment. Uh, so that's that's where we are with this uh, uh, Maslow. Maslow had. Uh, An additional, he had an additional uh, furthering of his uh, theory of uh, human needs. When he was uh, in his late 50s or early 60s, he had a heart attack. And uh, that was a sobering experience for him. It was like, whoa, here, here we go. Uh, and he lived a few years after that heart attack, and he called that his postmortem uh, period. And in that period, Maslow took the idea of uh, self-actualization to the next level. I think you did some some reading on this. Maybe you can um, share what you have read, what you what you uh, you know what you've seen in there where. He went from the, the, the pyramid of needs uh, from a basic uh, positive psychology to uh, a, the humanistic uh, uh, psychology to the psychology of transcendence. He described the uh, peak experiences in, in uh, uh, self-transcenders. Uh, or in Transcenders, but then he talks about the Z-theory in terms of uh, you can have peak experiences, which we can talk about a little bit, and he, and he took it further to say that a, a, an individual can self-transcend and then be a peak experience. So uh, then, you know, you don't you don't have peak experiences here and there, which was his original uh, understanding uh, and you go from that to being a constant peak experience. And that's a, it's a concept difficult to, to verbalize and to understand. You and I had a, a quick chat yesterday and we talked a little bit about that. How can you be a peak experience? What does that mean to be a peak experience? Oh, wow. So, so how, would you, how would you describe that? What do you think a uh, being a peak experience is, rather than experiencing a peak experience at some point?
1: Oh,
2: Estery, Estery's in the room.
3: Estery.
2: Esther Estery's in the room. Hello. How are you, Estery? Uh, unmute yourself. And recorded. history Hey Hi. Say hello. Morning. morning.
3: Good Where morning. are you?
4: First time in Texas, actually. All
2: wow. right.
3: It's rather How early. You... Six o'clock. I know. <laughs> How did you I was find actually this? up,
4: but I felt inspired to do some writing and I just couldn't stop. So, my apologies, but thank you.
2: Welcome. Yeah. Wow. So are you interested in, in a- Abraham Maslow?
4: Oh my goodness, the whole write-up. It just, yes, last night when I read it, I thought I have to be here. So wow. uh, my, father, my father taught me about Maslow when I was a child. So I was just um, very lucky to have that kind of a father who was into philosophy. Um, but he only taught me about the hierarchy of needs. So it was really different to read about the transpersonal and
3: Ah, yes.
4: that with you. Yeah. A
3: few people know anything beyond the, the, the stage where Maslow was talking about the pyramid it needs, it became iconic, that, you know, everybody knows that pyramid, uh, and, and a lot of people talk about it, but very few people, even acad- uh, academic uh, uh, individuals that uh, are in this field, talk about or share the latest phase of Maslow after his uh, first heart attack, uh, and you know he came face to face to his own mortality, and uh, he lasted a few years before uh, he was uh, 62. I think uh, he died at 62. He had three uh, about three years where he called those these his post mortem years, and he continued developing his theory. Of, uh, of uh, self actualization to talk about self transcendence and the Z theory. Um, I was lucky to bump uh, on uh, uh, Colin, uh, Colin Wilson, the British writer who knew uh, Maslow personally. Colin Wilson, I didn't know him. <laughs> I just kind of bumped uh, onto onto him. He wrote The Outsider. It's a book that he wrote when he was very young, 25, I think he was. And uh, he became a, an instant uh, success in uh, in England. And he wrote about those uh, those uh, individuals that were outsiders. They 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 thought different. They felt different, and they lived different from the rest of uh, you know, the conventional, typical human beings. Um, well, Maslow read his book and he, and he uh, got in touch with him right away. And then they had an ongoing uh, uh, conversation. Uh, and uh, they had two, two different ideas about what, uh, what Maslow talked about uh, when an individual is uh, self-actualized he talked about peak experiences. He's not the only one that talks about that in positive psychology. Peak experiences—moments where an individual somehow there's a trigger. Maybe it's a a walk uh, in the woods, a sunset on the beach, uh, climbing climbing the the Himalaya. Um, they have that moment where. All of a sudden, they they have that feeling, or a realization—maybe you can call it—at least a part-time or instant realization that everything is as should be. That they have that oceanic feeling—that I am everything, I belong into this universe, I am one with the universe, etc., etc. So a feeling of uh, sublime elation, uh, uh, and they call that peak peak moments. Well, Colin Wilson was arguing if we can have a peak experience, why cannot we replicate that at will? Why cannot we, you know, have more peak experiences like in the morning when we're drinking coffee or going to work or talking to our boss. So that, he was obsessed, Colin Wilson was obsessed with this idea of peak experience. And lo and behold, after his heart attack, Maslow furthered his ideas in this subject. Uh, and, uh, and this is, this is the, 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 the subject of this discussion today. Uh, where are we with the, the knowledge of Maslow? Where are we with the understanding of self-actualization? Where are we in our own search for meaning, as Frankl put it, uh, Victor Frankl, and, and that's the discussion today.
4: Louise, are we recording this for your benefit, for public, for...
3: For, uh, for posterity. Oh, yes,
2: I, <laughs> uh, I, I record it and, and then I edit it and then I archive it into a, a YouTube channel called Wake Up and Think Clearly. Okay. Is that okay?
4: I will stay off of camera if it's, if it's gonna go public. Yes. Otherwise, not. So yes.
2: <laughs> Perfectly all right. Thank you. So so. Uh, oh, if it you mean that, that you prefer that it not incognito. go public. Yeah, I would Move be happy face. to
4: be on camera just to build, you know, rapport and community here. But I would not want right. you don't want to be out my there name and my your image face
3: out there. I understand perfectly. I'm and just because I, old, so I because I, I do care. plan
4: to share about the things that we talked about very personally. Uh, I right? could I could nice. put
2: it um, I could put it as unlisted. Then I can share the the recording. You can share the
3: video or uh, the audio, but not the video. That's nice. What? I don't. I don't care for anybody looking at my face in public, but I don't mind them listening oh. to these conversations. I mean, that's uh, that's the idea.
2: But, but you're okay with it being unlisted. What's that? Uh, the video. The video um, Un, unlisted. That means that that uh, no, nobody uh, can find it readily except that you share the link. Sure. Like I can share the link to you, and you can share it with others that that you might want them to hear it
1: okay
2: another thing you can world. do
3: <laughs> but another thing you can do hiro is to when you put out the media to youtube you just share the the audio
2: right and if somebody's pro- interested private
3: yeah and then when they become part of the group then they can they can uh, look at our faces i i don't care either way uh, but uh, I can understand estery. Uh, is it estery or estery? Estery,
4: yes.
3: Estery, okay. Thank you. Hello. Oh, Justin. there is uh,
2: <laughs> Justin in London.
3: Justin in London. I'm going to need a you? bigger screen. A lot of faces out Hello? here. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Justin? Uh, Hello.
5: Can anyone hear me? Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. Mm. Say say hello to Esther.
3: Well, oh, I got
4: video, but I can't. Nothing's.
3: You don't have dark. a lot of light. Go this, yeah,
4: it's dark. Strike here. a
3: match. Strike a match <laughs> or something. Can you guys <laughs> nod your
5: heads if you can hear
3: me? We yes. can hear you. Oh,
5: you can hear me. I yes. <laughs> yes. wonder why I can't hear you. What, maybe oh. you have a
3: mute on or something. You Whoa. muted us. <laughs>
5: uh, un- unplug and
2: replug your uh, headset.
3: So, Estray, yes. while, while Justin is getting set up, okay. Uh, oh, okay. So you are interested in Maslow because your father uh, 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 shared uh, uh, knowledge uh, of him with you. So, where are you on the on the Maslow idea, his ideas on, on positive psychology? And how do you understand the self-actualization?
4: Uh, I am passionate about Maslow's one principle because my entire adult life and my child life as well was centered around one central limiting theorem which is one sentence. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. I had a near death experience Mm
1: -hmm.
4: and that led me to um, not be able to do that anymore. So I have kind of an opposite life where I was
1: obsessed
4: obsessed with self actualization from a child state and started that actively at age 17 and didn't stop for 23 years. I, wow. I actually did reach the maximum that I could in that iteration. Um, wow. What the gift is that you've given me is you've already this morning shared with me that he went to his limits. And then he had his post-mortem years, Maslow. I have had my postmortem years. Right, right,
3: right, right.
4: So wow. only in August and September of this year, Have I been illuminated to know what the next purpose is in this, you know, I'm still here. I'm still in a body. The last seven have been absolutely liminal, absolutely torture for somebody who lives with purpose as their central focus. And um, many people are going through that now with COVID for a few months, Mm -hmm. seven years for somebody who has um, known the ecstasy of, pushing to one's edges, cellularly, emotionally, spiritually, and praying then for annihilation, which I did some years ago because I wanted the maximum giving of myself over. Um, And I was gifted that. So it shows me how small the mind still can be, even after all of that, because I was in despair the last seven years of, well, I know I'm supposed to be here, but if you don't tell me why, this is misery.
3: Wow, well, this is beautiful. Um, That's true.
4: So here I am.
3: This is, this is, this is absolutely beautiful. Uh, I just don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. So Only an are, audience
4: like this that has cultivated itself right, could right. You don't hear talk, this.
3: Yeah, you don't talk about I don't about share this, this with uh, anybody. <laughs> in, in the grocery store, talking no. to the cashier. Not With all respect to the cashier, but the probability of uh, the, the young guy or young lady, you know, understanding where you're coming from is is almost zero. Right. So you, you feel, and I've, I've felt like this for quite a few years. My experience was much less uh, uh, traumatic in a sense. Because I didn't start thinking until I was in my late 30s early 40s and I, and i started that not because i almost died i never had a, a, a near-death experience it's just that i was doing great at a at a, uh, at a at a job it was my career and i had to give it away because you know just uh, life and it, <clears throat> it felt to me like traumatic yes but uh lo and behold it was the beginning yeah. of my self-transformation because I was so forlorn and down and mad and angry and, and scared, um, all those emotions, uh, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm going to be no one. And I was doing so great, blah, 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 blah. blah. And, but that was the beginning of my liminal life. <laughs> you use the term liminal. Uh, and I understand, I think I understand what you mean, yes. Yes. Uh, where it, you become true, clear consciousness, you know, beyond the subliminal level, which is always there. And we can talk about that. Uh, and I, I started to become liminal when I was, you know, in my early 40s. It took 20 years to get where I am today. And I'm still going on that path. Uh, The Buddha said about uh, Gnosis that it is progressive, like the uh, uh, ocean, you know, when you go to the the ocean shore, it just slopes down. And then after many, many miles, whoop, you have a big drop, the continental shelf. So the depth of your knowledge, is very little when you're right there by the seashore and you get your feet wet. Ooh, do-do-do-do, wow, it's wet. It's wow, the waves and everything. And then you go out and it becomes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And you think, wow, this is getting really deep. But what you don't realize is that five miles down, if you continue in your quest for understanding, in this case, self-understanding, and we can talk about that too, introspection, reality looking at itself through your mind, the whole looking at itself from its part, then you, if you keep going and going and going, it just drops into a depth that you had no idea. And you you kind of described that yourself when you thought, I thought I had it, but no, it was limited. It was limited. I, I had no clue. Okay. So that drop goes into the depth and you go, well, so how deep does it get? And as far as I'm concerned, the answer is infinite. So the depth of knowledge is infinite, and you can look at it from you know the depth of the ocean, going deep, 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 so going into the infinitesimal, point zero, zero Kelvin, sunyata, the state of non-being or the, the, the state of being from the zero from which one arises, or you look in you can look at it on the transcendental side, the expansion of knowledge, reality seeing itself so well that it sees its eternity and infinity, uh, and you can see that as a function to infinity, where the asymptote is infinite, and then your knowledge gets closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to that in, infinite knowledge. So that that was my that was my thing. So I I I just feel so close to what you just said Esther. and it was just I, I could not feel any closer to that so i i feel humbled i'm so glad you joined this conversation and i uh i think this is going to be a phenomenal uh human experience without a doubt
4: thank you so much just back to the word liminal i didn't even know that word when i was um <laughs> you know most immediately going through things partway through going through someone said it he was from a catholic tradition introduced me to the word liminal times which which he learned from that these are the in-between the in-between times when um you know the ordinary days the the and so the result of which can be what you described the clarity of consciousness that comes from surrendering or from being or something
3: happens there something something, uh, I I was I mentioned uh uh, Wilson uh, Colin Wilson and he had a theory or the way he described it is we are half half robot half automated and half really human so we have a creative side a random side the outside the box kind of or I'm alive I, I am the meaning that I'm looking for. And then we have the other half is I'm going to work, I'm going to brush my teeth, do my job, pay the bills, blah, 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 blah and then I'll die. Uh, he wrote a book that I need to mention here, New Existentialism, absolute jewel. New Existentialism by Colin Wilson. It's it's, a, it's a free on uh, archive.org. So, we have, I think you just hit it on the nail again, where the peak experiences that we are going to talk about are the moments where we cease to be an, uh, a robot, a flesh and bone slash uh, mental mental fabrications, samskara, uh, where we're, we're on automatic. You know, it's it's, you know, our body, our body mind just going and then Every so often, we transcend outside of ourselves, we go outside of our own box, and we then have that peak moment where somehow we feel, without being able to verbalize it, that we are the whole looking at itself. We are the whole of, we have the whole cosmos, the whole universe, the infinite uh, stars and galaxies, the whole thing, that's what we are which is expressed in, in the Hindu uh, religion as uh, you are that. That being the whole, the whole of reality. So how do we get from part-time peak experiences to being a peak experience constantly? Whether we're brushing our teeth, taking a shower, going to work, arguing with our boss, uh, or going grocery shopping but we have that feeling of oneness, that super liminal uh, consciousness, where you are absolutely aware. uh, And and when I say aware, I'm talking about uh, transcendental awareness or what they they talk about in the Buddhist texts as omniscience, where you see everything with a third eye, which is not a physical eye, but it's just a different way of experiencing reality.
4: Is the question of the how, and your question I heard, it's not that it's not audible. I question if the question is truly how or um, do we want it? My experience of life is yeah. what, we, what we truly, truly are oriented towards, it happens.
3: Yeah.
4: So how do we cultivate the desire for such a thing?
3: Yeah. My personal answer to that, and I'll ask uh, Justin to, to answer that, too, and, and Jairo. My personal theory about this is that although we are the whole, we are the whole of reality, when we are born, that is, when this consciousness arises from reality as a, as a baby, uh, and, you know, we could be a mosquito too, but, you know, mosquitoes apparently are very limited into how much they, they can understand. Maybe they know more than we do. I don't know. But we cannot talk to them. So we, I can only talk to other human beings. My theory is that although we are the whole, we don't know that we are the whole until there is, is a progressive learning and understanding, like a, going from subliminal to liminal, but it takes time. It takes time so we have an intuition when we know enough to know that we are you know when we get a self self uh, when we know that we are as babies uh, you know i think it's at age four i think that we we understand that it's me and then there's the rest of uh, the world when the, we have that uh, dichotomy uh we start having a an intuition a subliminal intuition that we are more than what we are so i would say that the subliminal is the full knowledge like the uh potential and then the liminal is the actualized knowledge so we go from subliminal to liminal and that if you take that to hundred percent then you that's what i call self uh, transcendence or enlightenment or something like that, where the mind, where the the knowledge knows that it it doesn't belong to itself. The identification is with the whole and nothing at the same time, because the whole and nothing are just two aspects of the same thing, the monad, uh, in the Advaita sense. I don't know if you, you know, I'm sure that uh, some of you know about the Advaita, but that's what I feel, that we subliminally know that we are the whole of reality but we have to somehow make that liminal so self enlightenment or self awareness or self transcendence is the 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 voyage from subliminal to liminal absolute awareness of of the whole by the whole through the whole mm. but so it takes work <laughs> And look, and you know it, it's uh, it's just uh, it just happens, but uh, it just doesn't happen very often because if it did, we would be bumping into self uh, self-actualized people on on the streets every day. It's okay like, hey. <laughs> you know everybody would be like a, a happy Buddha out there Luis, did
2: I hear you in your question? Of- uh, that if we had if you just had a what might be a peak uh, experience and we 've found it to be perhaps uh life transforming or at least getting us going somewhere are you suggesting that how <clears throat> how do we make it either if not more permanent or or, or repeatable, like having uh, being able to maybe bring it about more often or have a series of peak experiences? Would, would we want to do that? Is, does a peak experience uh, make us feel good and want, want it to happen again, or what? What is it like?
3: Again, I wanted to hear Justin's uh, uh, take on this, but uh, my answer to that is peak experience is always, in my experience, uh, gratifying. It's pleasant. It's liberating. If anything, I would put it in opposite terms. It's the dukkha nirodha, the assuaging of suffering So, it's the reduction of fear, anxiety, uh, you know, just anything negative in in the sense of that it burdens us. So, to me, peak experience is always like, wow, this feels so good. This makes so much sense. This is what I am looking for. This is what I'm striving for. Justin, what do you say about all this?
5: Mm, Well, peak experience, I guess... um... that comes down to definition because we could have like very intense, positive or negative experiences. And then we could say, okay, well, we'll take the positive ones and we'll label them peak experiences and we'll label the negative ones, something else. But, um, yeah, that, that, that's just what was popping to my mind when when you were saying that.
3: I know where you're going with this, because this is a very much of a Buddhist uh, dilemma when people are studying Buddhism. Uh, because in the teachings i dukkha is translated awkwardly we are yeah, not very I, sure what dukkha means i have a, I and, have a sense and I, you know i propose that dukkha is mind agitation whether it is feeling good or feeling bad so i'm going to I'm going to further the definition of a peak moment. Uh-huh. It's beyond, and yesterday, Jairo, you and I, we talked about that. You asked me, so are you happy? Are you not happy? Are you sad? Be, when you become so omniscient, do you feel sad like Maslow wrote some certain sadness for the ignorance of other people? I said that, that was r- written very awkwardly, very badly. Cause that those, if you are a peak experience, you are beyond pleasure and pain. You are beyond sukha and dukkha. you You are just like a like a, a screw that has lost its uh, its uh, thread. You just You just go through you just you're not attached anymore. You, you're just completely fallen apart as far, as far as conventional understanding. and i will I will throw a word out there because Jairo and I talked about that yesterday the transversal transversal thinking transversal transversal being because when we talk about transcendence, things get so subtle and abstract that it's we feel like we are not human anymore we cease to be so when we are one with reality we are not anymore which I can understand in transcendental terms but a lot of people ask this question what happens when you just you pop out of your own mind when you know that this mind is anicca dukkha and anatta it's impermanent it is empty of uh, self uh, empty of self it's just life happening it's just an aspect of the chaos so people have a hard time connecting being a human being a consciousness and being reality at the same time how can you marry those things. And it is clear to me at least that one does not come without the other. (laughs) Bateson, Bateson wrote it beautifully. It takes two to know one. If reality is one, it takes a second, but it's not another reality because there's only one reality. So reality can only see itself through its aspectual quality and that's us consciousness is an aspect of reality which happens to be self-aware so consciousness is a knowing that knows it is knowing and that onto infinity like looking at yourself in a mirror with another mirror behind you so this this transcendence has to be understood in conventional words however subtle and abstract and weird they might they might sound like you are and you are not at the same time you know stuff like that like form is emptiness emptiness is form or samsara is nibbana nibbana is samsara one of my peak experiences in my life was the moment that i remember this i was driving to work the sun was in my eyes And I had been just thinking about these thoughts and trying to get it. And all of a sudden I was thinking, so what is the difference between phenomena and non-phenomena? What is the difference between being and non-being? What is the noumenon and its aspect? What is the difference between samsara or samskara and the zero, zero Kelvin? And in that moment, I don't know exactly how it happened, but I guess it was gonna happen sooner or later. I said, there is no difference. There is no essential difference between zero and one. And when I say zero, I'm talking about nothing, the vacuum, vacuum state, no phenomenal anything. You can, don't have anything to measure. Nothing comes out of there. Not even a string, the tiniest 10 to the minus 35 piece of energy. <laughs> and there is no difference between 1 and 0, 0 and 1. And when I say 1 is any phenomenon, it could be a person, a, a, a fingernail, a galaxy or the whole of the phenomenal universe that we see which is only 5% of the whole shibenguanga. There is no difference. In essence being and non-being are two aspects of the same one. And the one cannot see itself, but through its aspect, because the non-phenomenal aspect of reality doesn't have a consciousness of itself. It doesn't know itself. Reality is unbeknownst to itself until a self-aware consciousness, which is an aspect of it, is not a different entity or different reality, just pops from it and goes, well, what the hell is going on here?
4: I, um, the, the boundaries of my current thinking, uh, make it so that the more theoretical something gets, the less heart connected I feel to it. So, um, what keeps coming to me to share is an experience that I had that connects me to what I'm hearing right now, which is, um. Well, uh, at a time in my life when I was so short, because I was so little, uh, my feet did not touch the ground when sitting on a chair. You know, like the sofa chairs that we have in mm-hmm. the living room. And I felt frustrated. And I remember the, the me, the self, the experience of frustration, looking down. Those are my feet. And then I had a thought, which was... Um, I looked at it then and I've looked at it ever since then as a thought given to me, not so much that came from inside of me, but a voice from beyond me. I'm sorry. My GPS is talking. Um, and it said, um, it communicated essentially don't be so frustrated now with this because someday, and it was just half a sentence. It was much less verbiage than what I'm saying here. Mm-hmm. But, um, It was just this, one day your feet will only touch the ground. So enjoy this while you, you know, have it while you can. And I knew in that moment what was being said was that I'm about to become an adult and live in in a stream that requires of me um, much less leisure than this moment that I'm gifted to bang my ankles, you know, against the edge and dangle them and, you know, not have the weightedness that we have as just, you know, walking people. So um, hearing the notion of popping in and popping out for me has not been such a, I was a fish in, was I in water or was I outside of it? Maybe I'll just talk to myself about that later, but basically it didn't feel like I was outside of myself for that whole lifetime, you know, that I had. Um, most of it felt like it was at a peak level, which is why I had such grief in leaving and in truly getting my prayer answered for annihilation. It was like, Oh my goodness. You know, This is gone now. So I did the corporate career and I did, uh, you know, house purchase and I did everything that, quote, the humans do. Um, But everything was in connection and in devotion and in homage and in development and the joy of being put at the feet of, you know, those at the office that I was given to serve even if I'm their dotted line, you know, quote, manager. I mean, it it was always at the feet of life. So I didn't begin to truly pop much more strongly into a sense of duality until more recently. This is why the question for me, um, or rather the answer for you from me, is more of, do we want it? So how to cultivate it is want it. How to want it is to know it exists. So how do I tell traveling man or worker woman that there is life beyond earning for the bills if their entire paradigm is about life earning for the bills? I never knew earning for the bills. I worked for three months out of a 20 plus year career because for three months, I actually took a job just for the bills. I was in graduate school and I thought, oh, this will help a little bit because graduate school is expensive. But all the rest of the jobs I took, every single one of them, from the earliest internship to the final, was for love, was for a, a sense of passion, joy, um, Like the money was absolutely not even, it's beyond secondary. I call it more Dharma, you know, it was like, yes, this, right. And I'm going to expand in this. So it doesn't occur to me in that iteration at all. This notion of how to make more of something. It, 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 it was something it just, that was the something that that was. There must have been some acceptance in me somewhere that says this is possible as a girl, as a brown girl in the United States of a generation that wasn't, you know, uh, where my, yes, I'll, um, Justin.
5: Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I'm just, I was trying to understand the narrative that you gave before. So are you saying it was, it was like that until you had a near death experience and then it was like um, depression or? Kind of all that joy went away.
4: I. It's um, you. Essentially, I had a. Bear with me. Um... Okay. I had a through line that was intact until that experience.
5: Um, so
4: what Luis is saying from earlier about the awareness, the, the two to understand the one was there. So what happened after the, say, I'll just call it the life change, okay? Mm-hmm. You remember the footprints poem where God is holding the person Oh, Listen,
3: I heard do you know this? You only have one I... set of footprints because you know, Jesus is carrying you. Yeah, right, right. You know.
4: Okay, so you and thought... this one, you know, Hiro. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that's what happened at that life change time. So I needed the two, you and I, to feel okay. Mm-hmm. When the one thing happened in that way, I was no longer conceptualizing the one or feeling the one it was just one mm-hmm. so I felt abandonment oh. and I felt lost I didn't have figure ground I didn't have mm-hmm. relativity so yes the felt experience was from as you described Justin a one thing and then another thing that went away but it would take me a while to integrate and say oh okay okay there's now more understanding and there's but um yes at the time it was despairing and that time didn't end until fairly recently
3: yeah it's like a space rocket i'm sorry it's it's like a space rocket that's you know getting ready to take off so you start taking stuff you know the supports and everything because eventually (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna just blast off so all the anchoring all the support group, everything is disappearing. All of a sudden, boop, 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 boop. You're stand alone. Well, if you don't take off, you crumble. You just fall off. So you didn't have that feeling of like, hey, okay, this is me. I am. I am just sputniking into <laughs> the infinity and beyond. Um, this this is so similar to the experience of a human being that ceases to believe in the conventional God <laughs> or the conventional, world, well, there must be an energy or something, some creating stuff, higher being, whatever you call it, the other. that that made it all of which I am a creature. That is a very dangerous moment, just like you're describing, Esther, just like you're describing. I had that moment in my process of learning, in my process of becoming liminal, I had to decide sooner or later the nature of reality, the nature of being. And that question is always there. Did everything come from nothing or something? Something made everything. I remember it clearly, just like the moment that I realized that being and not being are two aspects of the same process, the same thing, the same monad. I had been thinking about that a lot and reading about that a lot but eventually I this consciousness had to take a decision a deliberate decision I've had thought hard and strong about it I already had read science and psychology and philosophy I had to decide for myself I was the I was just taking away the tethers of the 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 space the space shuttle that was going to take off i remember in my mind i had this vision i was holding on to the proverbial nail of faith i was burning my hand because i had questions and i was in absolute nothingness All, i could see around me the whole universe looking at me almost the universe looking at me waiting for me to make a a decision. Do you believe or do you not believe? And if you don't believe, what is it that you know? What is your epistemology? What is your worldview? So I saw myself as that spaceship, the tethered were just falling off one after the other. And I better turn my engines on to take off and my trip, my journey. And I thought for a second before I let go of the the nail, the burning nail of faith, that was the idea that, hey, a higher being or something must have made everything. I, didn't, I hadn't read quantum physics or uh, inflationary cosmology to really go like, okay, yeah, there's no beginning and no end. Reality is eternal and infinite because zero is one and one is zero. So there's no way out of that, uh, you know, if zero is one and one is zero, there's nowhere to go. It's always been there. So I was afraid that I was gonna feel exactly the way you felt when two became one, and then you didn't have anybody to look for. You didn't have a second set of footprints on the sand. So I was afraid of letting go in that moment, and yet, I could not, I could not hold on to that uh, burning nail anymore. So I let go, thinking that I was going to fall into the darkest nihilism, the darkest despair, the greatest abandonment, greatest existential, psychosomatic depression. Like this is it. There is no happy guy out there. There is no loving, loving creator. There's nothing. It's just it. And I let go. And at that moment, somehow my engine went off and I blasted. And I looked around and I said, I am it. (laughs) I am the one set of footprints. I am the beginning and the end. I am the result of zero becoming one and one becoming zero. I am looking at myself. This consciousness is the wormhole through which the whole looks at itself with a certain degree of clarity. I, my elation, my sense of oneness, my sense of infinity, my sense of having always been there and knowing that I will always be there was so phenomenal, so absolutely ineffable, indescribable. It just it's just became. I became a peak experience.
5: <laughs> so we could maybe call that a peak state.
3: It's peak beam. <laughs> it's okay. not a state. It's not. It's not a state anymore. It is just there when reality sees itself clearly, for however long, because this light bulb will go off someday. Then reality will have to look at itself from another. <laughs> uh, light bulb. And there are many. And through some light bulbs, it doesn't see hardly anything more than what a mosquito looks at, according to what we know about mosquitoes. But through through some minds, some consciousnesses, it will have this repeated, it's like, oh, this is me. I have been here. I will always be here. So, and... It doesn't make this mind special at all, it's just that, you know, this mind has a worldview through which this mind believes that reality looks at itself uh, rather clearly. And it it transcends pleasure and pain. I think we talked about that uh, on our first uh, uh, Zoom conversation, that the, the, mind, the consciousness is prisoner well, it has the two footsteps on the sand. It is prisoner of the dipole of pleasure and pain. Belonging, being you know, belonging, not belonging. And a, tra- a self-transcendent mind or consciousness takes itself out of that dipole, that, uh, that binding. I like, I don't like, I am, I am not. And that's the, the true liberation of the mind, through the mind, by the mind, uh, to become the whole. To really experience itself as the whole and not uh, as a part anymore. That was my experience. So I can understand what you were saying, Esther, about how all of a sudden it's like, okay, we were two, now it's me. What do I do with me? It's a a dangerous moment, Uh, but from the proper perspective of non-duality, Advaita, not two. Uh, And understanding that if there is only one, it's always been there because the one is also not being, the zero, zero Kelvin. So anything and nothing are aspects of the same oneness the noumenon the whole the whole. you can call it God if you want it's, it's up to but you know when you start calling uh, things by a name that is so uh, full and laden with, uh, with uh, uh, history and culture and ideas and anthropomorphisms and morality and do this you shall do this you shall not do that then it's difficult to make sense of it. So I don't, I never call it God, but it is the reality. That's what I look at. So when they ask me, what are you, are you a Buddhist, a Hinduist, a Christian, or this, I say, I'm a realist.
4: Yeah. If anything,
3: <laughs> I, just, I am a realist. I, I am reality looking at itself anyway. So, but, uh, um, uh, I, I I know if anybody asks me what, it is, what is reality, and I say reality is being and non-being at the same time, everywhere and nowhere, because there are no boundaries. All boundaries are mental made. Because if there was no self-consciousness anywhere uh, in reality, reality would not know that it is there. So there would be no time, space, measuring, thinking, uh, liking or disliking. It would be pure being. And I I refer you guys to the book by uh, David Bohm uh, that talked about the holographic reality and uh, the uh, uh, implicate and explicate order of reality, where he, in physical terms, in physics terms, he explains those two aspects of reality, the being and non-being, or the phenomenal and the non-phenomenal. So, Esther to to make the, the finish, I understand perfectly what you're saying. That feeling of where is where is my where is my support group? Uh, now it's me, and that's one of the beautiful things about uh, self uh, transcendence is that you are it, you are the ship, and you are the driver, and you are the medium through which the ship is is traveling. So you you are it.
4: Cairo, you had something.
2: Uh, Luis, uh, can we look at uh, something that that you may may have disagreed about what Maslow was saying? Or or maybe uh, we have to look at it again. He said on number 12, I have a vague impression that the transcenders are less happy than the healthy ones. They can be more ecstatic, more rapturous and experience greater heights of happiness, a two-week word, than the happy and healthy ones. Or or I guess he means the supposedly happy ones that that don't have anything under the the diagnosis for like DSM. Like you have this and that and that. Like they, they don't, they're not they seem normal, but, but he's talking about the ones that maybe have, have, uh, have uh, he considers have transcended or have had peak experiences and maybe the peak experiences they have, have, have sent them to some state that, that a psychiatrist would label as, oh, he's, uh, this, he's got this and that under our big book the dsm for or whatever. So, yeah. so they, might, they might show some signs of sadness and then he goes on to say but I sometimes get the impression that they are prone and maybe more prone to a kind of cosmic sadness or the letter B sadness.
3: Which is over, being sadness.
2: Over the stupidity of people their self-defeat, their blindness, their cruelty to each other, their short-sightedness. Perhaps this is a price these people have to pay for their direct seeing of the beauty of the world, of the saintly possibilities and human nature, of the non-necessity of so much of human evil, of the seemingly obvious necessities for a good world. Any tra- transcender could sit down and in five minutes, write a recipe for peace, brotherhood, and happiness. A recipe absolutely within the bounds of practicality. Absolutely attainable. And yet, he sees all this not being done. No wonder he is sad or angry or impatient. In- at the same time that he is also optimistic in the long run. So maybe people that, like, that have... You're these, a mess. <laughs> He he's peak experiences. They can't, they can't get it straight. <laughs> they uh, they uh they develop incredible compassion or and yet sadness at the state of affairs. Like like they they have a peak experience that is an oceanic feeling that that yeah. makes them feel uh, good and hopeful. And yet they look around and they see everything, everybody asleep, so they feel sad. Maybe that's what he's talking about.
3: Well, we talked about that yesterday, but I would like to hear uh, uh, Esther uh, and uh, Justin's uh, uh, counter to this. Is Maslow right in assuming that a self and, and the first the first question that I ask myself is, was Maslow a self transcender, or where's he studying self transcendence? Because he's describing them and he's asking more questions that he is making statements. But we've been talking about uh, the self-transcending a mind that uh, gets out of itself and becomes one with the universe and stops uh, that idea of me versus the rest. So what do you believe that a self-transcender or a Buddha, you know, a well-known figure of uh, uh, self-enlightenment, Sammasambuddha—was felt sad about the ignorance, avidya, of most of uh, the the rest of uh, humankind.
5: I think was if he you, was oh, he not sorry. beyond
3: that? Go ahead, please.
5: Well, I think if you if you see things as they are, it's impossible to be impatient
3: uh, or sad or happy, right? Um, At- ataraxic, maybe. Ataraxic. Well, a, a I believe calmness. that the Buddha
5: can be happy definitely, so but th- this brings us into a slightly different conversation uh, or or, or a tangent, which um, would be very interesting. But just to stay on the on the impatience thing, um, there's a difference in seeing things as they are and having seen things as they are. Because you can see things as they are, and then you can stop seeing things as they are. And then you can be impatient. Uh, With others, you can be impatient with yourself. You can be very bitter even that you have sunk back down into ignorance again. Um, Or you can be believing that you are enlightened, but still having sunk back down. Or you might not have even touched all the way through, and think that you have. So, like, there's so many different things <laughs> that, that could be happening there. Do you know what I mean? Yes.
3: yes. But yeah. if 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 we start with the assumption that a self-transcender is already uh, gata e gata paragate, gone gone thus gone.
5: Okay, and like. How, how can life how
3: life? can that one be impatient?
5: It doesn't fit fit. because
3: if you're impatient, you're not Not having a peak experience, hence, you're not a peak experience. So, that's that's the question. Experience
5: to me is a temporary thing. And there's a, I don't know if you've heard of the Peak States Institute, a fellow, I think his name's Graham, really nice chap. Last time I spoke to him, he was living in Hawaii. And he, I think, wisely differentiates between peak experiences and peak states. And um, if we take um, Tibetan Buddhism as an example, I, I, I don't know if he knows much about that, but uh, we talk about the realization of the nature of mind. Um, and that's what... I, OK, the you know, traditions argue about what they're really talking about, and they, they find it hard to be compatible in language. But from my understanding, what Theravada would call stream entry The first stage of awakening is what the the Tibetans would call stream stream
3: stream enter. Yeah,
5: yeah, uh, which is what the Tibetans would call realization of the nature of mind. Um, So is the or what do they call it? Is it called Kensho or something like that? I get muddled up with Japanese terms. But basically, that's and it could be just momentary, or it could last for minutes or hours or days. But usually for a short time seeing through one's delusion um
4: and yes, but, i
5: think some western systems yeah. like i had a, a psychotherapist who was a he trained in buddhist in a kind of buddhist psychotherapy and he was into buddhism he's also into christianity and he had in my opinion the very deluded sense that the highest possible thing is to And he wouldn't have used that language. Basically, to have that experience. And he might call it like seeing God or whatever. But, Mm. um, yeah, to see things as they are momentarily. And I think some Mm. people think that that's like the peak. From the Tibetan Buddhist perspective, that's the beginning of the path. And even in, uh, so my friend tells me in meditation manuals, like they might spend like a few pages on the path up to there. And then all the rest is about, you know, the training after that.
3: Um, well, history, your turn.
4: Iroh, I, I can, I'm going to pour my experience into your question because I think that it's more modeled, you know, than distinct, um, the, the, what's lived, at least for me in this vessel. So when I was experiencing that iteration that I described, my impatience wasn't looking like, uh, oh, traffic, will you go faster? How the flavor of it would show up for me is in a level of anguish for those uh, near me and around me, because I could see their potential that they could not, Mm. or I could, I could access, um, love and understanding and, um, uh, compassion. And I could not understand why that wouldn't just be elemental for everyone. So I didn't know at that time that what I was living was different than others. In other words, there was a, um, Thank goodness, right? Because the ego would then develop itself into some massive theoretical <laughs> thing that wants to philosophize itself and write books and pontificate and have a YouTube channel way before the, that became popular. You know, like for me, psychic,
3: psychic what a inflation. waste.
4: What a waste. Instead, I just lived inside, as I say, at the feet. And it wasn't enough to call frustration. So that's why... The word impatience is a higher, uh, it's a more elevated state of of agitation than I would have called it or identified with. It didn't even course through my veins in that kind of a way, in a sour way. It was more in the way of anguish, of, of lead for you, I want for you, I ache for you to know that it doesn't have to be this way. And I'm speaking on an individual basis of the many, 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 many people I interacted with in that iteration. Like there were lots of people I was given. It's a very interesting you know, contrast to now. Um, that was being able to sort of reach the many and touch the many widely while I lived deeply. Now, I don't live as deeply um, internally but I'm living much more widely, um, experientially, you know, just really getting much more earth under my ground, under my feet, um, in a very different way. That's a, like Justin said, a different tangent about the wide and the deep and the access points, but, um, about the notion of people who have transcended being more miserable or being, um, more, you know, in a psychiatric state, that can be as well. It probably would look crazy to to anybody. Who is this worker who's joyful to go to work every day, right? Joyful to to to, to just give of themselves, right? That looks crazy comparatively to the norm, which is you're supposed to complain about Mondays. And then we're supposed um, to dredge through Tuesday through Thursday.
1: That's right. we to be that's
4: happy right. on Fridays because that means it's mm-hmm. the end of that, and then we have a weekend where we numb ourselves out, only to do it again on Monday. You know, like mm-hmm. that's the norm, at least that I was around yeah. on a macro level in the United States. You know, where yeah. Yeah. I was born and raised here. So, um,
3: it's everywhere. That,
4: that looked crazy in contrast, right? But. I can't speak for other people who've gone through whatever they've gone through. I can only say for me, um, I wasn't in a sense of despair. I didn't see like things happening on earth and, and take it to a place of, of paralysis. Um, because I've lived so much change, I could see nothing but change as not just possible, but actual. So because I, be, so, um, I have a relative in my life who I mean isn't in my life now but was in my life whose uh, trajectory is very very narrow meaning their relationship to change is very very different than mine change is almost impossible from their lived experience they don't want it it is seen as threatening so I came in with the notion of Change always. Change is possible. Change, yes. Fly with it. Go with, you know, all of that. And I'm, I'm not saying one good or the other. I'm simply saying that because of that orientation and that locus that I had, despair wasn't a commonality for me because change was native to me. That was the water that I swam in. Um, what I just simply couldn't understand because there are always limitations I'll say that there are limitations, even to the one that I learned. It's a whole separate topic, but there are always limitations. Um, the infinitesimal doesn't, it's not, it's not unlimited in its every molecule. A molecule has a boundary. So the limitations that I had was, I cannot understand what it's like to not embrace change. Or I cannot understand what it's like Mm. to not want to help or do or care. I I, I couldn't think outside of my own, you know, my my own edges that way. Now, because in annihilation, I also um, have the um, one part was annihilated. Another part came into form. That's what's fair to say. The part that Annihilation in Creation. Right. And so, um, exactly. So the part that came into form, I'm living more human now.
1: Hmm.
4: I'm living more of the sense of now I understand how change can be so threatening in this thing. I'm learning the other, what I call the other half of the circle, right? I lived one my self actualization experience was one half of three hundred and sixty degrees. I lived one hundred and eighty degrees mm-hmm. fully now i live this one hundred and eighty degrees fully that a circle be made my hope so um does that answer what uh, you had put forth
2: that's uh, that's good uh, it's it sounds like like you uh uh, whenever your peak experience was or, or whatever peak state you got into, it forced you to uh, to be optimistic and that you could go with the flow. But then you also saw that the others around you uh, were kind of stuck or something and but but yeah, but you're still uh, optimistic that you, that you can go in there and and help out. So so you have you have a uh, a sense of compassion, I think that that you and confidence that you you're able to to do something and that because maybe some people that Maslow were was looking at. It sounds like he's saying that that they're sad because they can't do anything about uh, uh about others like they' they don't seem they they feel sad because they they can't seem to be able to change others they're, i don't know what do you think
5: i liked what i like that idea of uh, what what was that word limitation or something that you that you said um astray. um and the. Let's say it might sometimes be easier to see and feel that everything's perfect and interconnected than it is sometimes to see a person in front of you suffering and to see their suffering as perfect. Does that make sense? Completely. Yeah.
4: Which is why that, that reminds me back to the earlier point. I think, Luis, you're saying about perfection. Um, I forget the exact language that you had for it, but it is not for me a situation of there's peak beingness and therefore, ah, that's what it was. There is no preference, right? There is no like, I like this. I don't like this. Right now at this time in my life, I have much, much more preference and not preference. And um, just these human things that I just that I'm just calling human than I did before but only because I had one preference before not because I had so that I was so noble my one preference made me single-pointed one-pointed which you know religion has given us that that you know kind of terminology and aspiration but that's Mm -hmm. all it's because I said I prefer to relate First and mostly to my God. And then everything else either fits inside of that or it doesn't.
5: When you it say does. everything else, yes, I don't understand. So there's God and then there's everything else. How How is that possible?
4: Um, <laughs> so the feet that I'm at, right? I knew that I was at God's feet with every person that was before me.
5: Uh-huh
4: so that is priority
5: and Over it was in that
4: like so that uh, would be,
5: what is the what is outside of that
4: um the option of being devotional the option of showing my love the option of wanting others to know that this one matters and exists and is here and is in us and is with us and is part of all of this was Heart. foremost foremost for me over um let me again i'm not i'm not of the generation of instagram but i think it's an easy way to kind of make the point right let me take a photo of myself and put it on instagram because i am the god of the moment you know i am so my priority was um that you know let's look at that Let's, let's ask that let's ask that where I should go today, who I should be talking with today, what I should be doing, what to do with oh, this feeling, right? Let's relate right. to that. So that's that relationship was my primary relationship.
5: Well, I guess I'm curious. So you said like God is a part of everything. What's the other part?
4: It was, there is the, the part I that's just not look God. at it like choice, right? So the, I, I go back to the word option that I used, right? The option of prioritizing a relationship was one that I took. As so opposed to So is that putting God as an
5: external thing, like to which you can relate, something outside the, or Yeah, the, the
4: beginnings of it for me were, right? At six years old, when my feet are dangling and I hear this <laughs> voice, it, yeah. it, 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 it sensates like an outside thing, that makes sense. It's an inside thing that sensates outside because- I don't know what
5: sensates means.
4: It does, the, 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 um, the, the sense experience yeah. manifests as an yeah. outside thing. Yeah. So it's all, so it seemed like it's a voice from outside of me saying, oh, right, right. hey, enjoy this moment. Like I'm hearing
5: right, right, an
4: right. outside thing. Right. Though it may likely have been an inside thing, uh, it was you yourself know, talking was
1: yeah
4: the, the felt sense so yeah. but um yeah as as so like i was a kid who was never afraid of walking outside alone i mean i'm a girl you know and i'm just uh four in the morning later much much later not when i was a kid um but I'd just go for walks at any hour that I felt I wanted to walk and be in that peace and look at the moon. I would. So the, um, the, the, by that time there wasn't an outside of me thing inside of me. I felt safe. I felt the connection and connectivity inside,
5: but
4: still when I'm praying in those years, right. Of that I'm describing, and I'm I'm dialoguing and I'm and I'm writing and I'm talking aloud too. Um again, the sensate is something outside because that's how the yeah. loop kind of
1: Yeah.
4: In, in a vessel, that's how this Mobius strip kind of operates. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. put it yeah. out, it comes back, it comes through, it's inside, then it it vomits out, it comes in, you know, just it um yeah. that's the alternator belt, you know, in the car. It just yeah. it that's I never thought about, is it outside, is it inside? I just knew that it's priority. Yeah. Very, right. very simple for as, 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 quote, lofty as this conversation might be perceived mm-hmm. as by mm-hmm. those in it or out, those outside of it or not. Um, I was as simple as you can imagine simple is. Yeah. There was an elegance to me then that I don't have now. But uh,
3: reality beyond mind is extremely simple.
4: But it was a simple, like, uh, you know, you could almost call it stupid. You know, you could say, this person is optimistic, as you said, Jairo, despite mathematical odds that, 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 that you know, suggest you ought not to be, right? A word that but occurs that to me is was...
5: doubtless. I don't know. Does, does that resonate? Yeah. It sounds like you're doubtless. Yeah. That's yeah. like yeah. super handy. Yeah.
4: And you mentioned confidence, Jairo. That word and doubtless, confidence, when you said that, my heart just was like, oh, he gets it, you know, because confidence is different than faith. Faith is, uh, that's a whole other, that's a whole other tangent too. Yes, confidence is not my thing. My thing was not like It wasn't, it wasn't to reach. It, It was an actualized experience. So I just thought, if I can taste this, why can't you? It's right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know,
3: it's uh it's typical when one goes into the path and looks around and goes, how can everybody else be so stupid? They don't even ask their questions. Mm. I'm so not it's, thinking it's,
4: stupid though of that.
3: No, but you wonder, you're just like, how come they don't ask those questions? How come they don't see it like this? So it's a dangerous. And I, I
4: want to say too, I never even asked that. It, it Huh. I didn't question their thinking or their sanity or why aren't they asking the questions.
5: Was it questioning their said, or like why can't they see?
4: I had one question only, which is why don't you love yourself enough? <laughs>
3: well, that was a, the one question I had. That's a big question. <laughs> that was the only question
4: I had because I right. ached for their suffering. Yeah. I yeah. ached for their gap and their distance between them and them. I'm gonna cry now. No, no, no. That ache.
3: Yeah.
4: It is a misery. And I did not understand what people have been through to distance themselves from themselves to that extent. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: That was the only question. And it wasn't a question that I invested ego in of, you know, gnashing. It was just a quick, you know,
3: just 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 a breath out
4: of like, how can I help? That was the impetus for on the ground, you know, feet on the ground. How can I help? What can I do? Um, and I would learn at the end of all of it Ooh, what a waste not one thing so the utility of that life hmm. was actually less about humanity and simply about communicating hmm. to that maker I love you and I'm going to prove it
1: <laughs>
4: that's it
3: well this, this is a, at least a, a very good uh, final point there I, I'm gonna have to detach. Uh, typically, oh. these, these zooms are one hour, no. and it's been an hour and thirty minutes. I could, I could uh, continue for another six or seven days, uh, <laughs> non-stop. Um,
5: we can so continue that, without you. Well, yes, there's, uh, absolutely. I wonder if I could drop some seeds before you go, uh, of seeds of uh, discussion, uh-huh. uh, if you don't mind, because I was just thinking. Uh, so. Uh, uh, wait, I should say Lewis, not Louis, right?
3: Doesn't matter. Lewis is fine. Lewis,
5: uh, Lewis and Estery. I feel as if the two of you. Um, I or I wonder if the two of you, in some way, of course, totally not black and white, but in some way, represent two um, sides of the of the mind and the path, maybe. Um, so I I like to see the the. Well, when I say mind, you could say "heart or whatever cheat that. like the 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 mental experience I don't just mean thinking but I see it in mm-hmm. two two um, aspects cognitive and affective and um, sometimes I feel like some some of the way you're presenting Lewis is um, somewhat more towards the cognitive side and estuary that you're somewhat more towards the affective side and i find that interesting and um to me this relates to uh the buddha's presentation um so he he would say things like um uh when it comes to like deep meditation experience and um or for example the, the deathless state and or, all this—the mm-hmm. kind of thing that we were talking about—he
3: mm-hmm.
5: uh, would speak in two terms. I'm not sure how well this is understood, but I've looked quite deeply into the Pali. and it seems like he was—he was also differentiating between these two sides. So he'd say, "Touching with the body, and penetrating with wisdom." Um, and it seems like so both of these aspects are um, kind of essential for whatever process the Buddha was, was talking about uh, and I, I find that really interesting so touching the body being the affective side um, and he, the Buddha was super into affect um, I mean that, that can lead on to discussions of dukkha and sukkha and in fact dukkha you know the, uh, I personally feel that um, generally when the Buddha was talking about dukkha he was talking about negative emotional affect and you think so, so? yeah
3: (laughs) Uh, specifically that's a a point of discussion right there
5: yeah for sure but he um he was saying to overcome dukkha but he he did not overcome negative homeostatic or sensory affect he had a chronic bad back um he he had overwhelming thirst when he was dying of bloody diarrhea for example so these are sensory and emotional sensory and homeostatic affects, but he, uh, as far as I understand from the early uh, texts, he was totally beyond any negative emotional affect. Um, and, you know, that brings in like the two arrows conversation and so on. But he was, he was, um, I mean, he was practicing jhana th- throughout his post enlightenment life, even bathing his, I could, I, if I could use modern terms, bathing his brain in specific. Types of positive emotional affect, like pity, um, sukha. There were well, certain kinds of sukha from jhana. Um, so I think he was really employing these to kind of hack, hack the mind. And I don't think all later Buddhist traditions are using the same way, and they might not be having the same results. So we might be getting into like a, a, a rather diverse realm of peak states and peak experiences and so
3: on. Esther, do you want to go first or?
4: You have to go, so you please.
3: Well, the, the five minutes is not going to kill anybody, but yeah. let me point a, a subject of discussion, a seat for a, 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 you know, further discussion. Esther, you, you mentioned one-pointedness. There's a word for that, it's like Gata, I propose that when you say that the Buddha was teaching about the uh, end of suffering, negative things, I, I argue that no, it is misunderstood.
5: Oh, you froze.
4: Yeah.
3: I'm sorry?
5: You you first. You said it's misunderstood, and then I, on my yes. side anyway. You first.
3: So, I, I I talked about the, the the dipole of happiness and sadness, pleasure and pain. Okay. And so uh, attraction. Uh, so, I, the the middle point between happiness and sadness, or any.
0: Oh,
5: frozen again. Is there, is Louis frozen for everyone else too?
4: Frozen, yes, here yeah. too. Oh,
5: yeah. Oh.
4: Come back.
5: <laughs> Come back. Louis, <laughs> <laughs> you're frozen. If we hold hands, maybe he'll reappear. Maybe so he let's
4: let's see. You can see us moving. I don't think.
2: I, I think can.
5: he. Maybe
2: he that, may have gotten... he's got that internet connection.
3: Yeah. Oh, mm. Yeah. Uh, now we're back. Now we're back. Oh, no now yeah. So I propose the following. The Buddha did not teach about the uh, end of negative or suffering. Buddha taught, and that's where I say that Dukkha Nirodha is not the, the end of suffering. Is it the end of Dukkha? Dukkha, well, we have to translate it somehow. What is, yeah, yeah, is yeah. Dukkha? And yeah. I say that Dukkha could be very well translated by the agitation of the mind whether it is in a positive way or in a negative way. How do e-kagata you define agitation? Agitation so is anything that moves. So you say other. his mind Change. wasn't moving. That's right. The, the mind, the enlightened mind, is ekagata, one-pointed. It's pure being.
5: There is a be- word, um, it, it translated into English as imper- imperturbable. And yes. the Buddha talks Eponymity about some is imperturbable the other word. states
3: equanimity, so calmness, well, But the thing is,
5: um, for example, metta, uh, what is translated as loving kindness. Mm-hmm. And the Buddha would teach on uh yep. some practices to do with that. And bathing your mind one-pointedly in metta is classed as an imperturbable state. Okay. Even so. though it we would it would seem that we would in terms of uh affective neuroscience we'd have to define metta as Understood. a positive emotional affect
3: right so, as a i preference. propose it's a i propose taking any disturbance of the mind whether it is positive negative uh, pleasant or unpleasant out of
5: oh damn
3: <laughs> tr- self-transcendence self-transcendence in terms of a, a perfect alignment of being consciousness that is, you know, the body, mind, and the, the rest of the universe as an integral, ah, that's the way it is. This is what I am. This is who I am. This is et cetera, et cetera. But it has to be beyond the dipole of plus and minus. It has to be neutral. Right.
5: Is meta neutral? It's Absolutely. not neutral. Absolutely. It no, has to it's be not. neutral. It's
3: not. In what terms?
5: In what terms? In terms of affective neuroscience. It
3: feels feeling good. Feeling In, in conventional terms, yes. It is conventional, a positive
5: emotional affect.
3: In human terms. It are. is, of course, uh, you know, love is, is, it feels good. It is pleasant. It has all kinds of positive connotations. Right. But from this psychological and emotional human perspective remember guys that we when we are studying the nature of being we are going beyond the the aspect which is the the namarupa the body mind which all is is aspects of feeling happiness suffering doubt guilt shame hope knowing knowing and, and and believing uh, faith, etc., etc. So this the the study of dharma, that which coalesces everything together, the law, the natural law. Necessarily needs to go beyond or between the two extremes. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Buddha talks about the extremes. The fourth noble truth starts avoiding both extremes. I, I, I really, would
5: love to have a, a, a lengthy, maybe another discussion about this. I know you have to go so soon. And to be honest, I, I should go too. But um, it sounds like there's fertile conversational yes. potential here. Yes. <laughs> so
3: so the four noble truth, if, if you know, we can start with the four noble truth uh, as the part of the discussion. So we can find where yeah. the, yeah, the, the fundamental teaching, the Dhammachaka Pavatthana Sutra, talks about avoiding both extremes and it's again translated awkwardly because it talks about sensuality which immediately is like oh no oh, no, oh, that's the, the pleasure of the body but it's the sensory the sensory yeah. attraction of the five senses yeah so but
5: what's the what what is the middle that is in between so he there's the self-torture of the Jain practices as the one extreme mm-hmm there's mm-hmm. the um, indulgence in sense pleasure, which is yep. positive sensual affect yes. on, the, on the other extreme. And in the middle, you have the extremely pleasurable positive states uh, <laughs> generated by the mind in jhana.
3: Not pleasurable. That's what it, he
5: called the middle path. It starts jhana. No, no, I'm
3: going to read the sutra for you, and this okay, can be sure. the- Okay, uh,
4: sure. Could yes. I share uh, my experience ahead. of the neutral? Go ahead. Before that, Go ahead. do you want to be called Luis or Lewis? Now it's bothering me.
3: <laughs> Lewis is fine.
4: Lewis okay, is fine. so Lewis, yes. I want to share with you my love for you before you leave, because if you just leave then I don't I give get it to back share to that, to you. that feels un- incomplete. I
1: give it I back to so you. I am so
4: grateful that you exist and that you want to know, period. So that you're driving in traffic on the way to work. And you don't have to wonder about zeros and ones, but you opted to. Because this development of man and this development of mind to make space, to have this conversation, to hear from someone younger than you, you know, even female, right? That's different from you, right? And another human you being. You open your heart and your mind to say, oh, wait, there's something real here. That takes humbleness. And um, so I value both your mind and the cognition and your articulation. I recognize that as your strength and something that you find strength. Right in back you at too. You. But I also really appreciate that you let yourself relax some of that to, to, to let us dance together. Um, there is great beauty in you. And I just want to acknowledge that I may never come back. These meetings fall upon me. Randomly, you know, I find them and I'm like, Oh, I can do this. Let's do this. Right. And then Things move and they shift. It's a river. So I just Want you to know I I appreciate appreciate you all
3: I appreciate you all when I talk like this and I have uh, You know friends now that uh, they always say thank you so much and I always tell them I thank you because if you get a lot out of this have no idea how much more i get out of it because giving without expectation of return like it's very well uh written in the uh, Gita, just do the right thing with no expectation of anything back and then sit down and look at what happens and, and what did an,
4: you get out of this
3: uh, it's just absolute equanimity one-pointedness i feel so identified with everything. And this is like talking to myself. When I talk to you Justin, Jairo, I grab this over here. It is me. I have an absolute uh, coherence with yeah, yeah. everything that I experience. Not, and that's not me experiencing. Is the whole of reality is looking at itself through these consciousnesses. This is the whole talking to the whole through its parts. We are nothing but aspects of the same one, talking to itself, unbeknown to itself beyond our minds. This is just a a phenomenal feeling of cosmic coming together that is uh, ineffable, it's very difficult to describe. I know I speak in very rational, logical uh, terms. I, I mince the words to the to the to the i mean to the end and yet because i do that people feel like i don't pay attention to emotions and feeling and and it is it is very uh uh kind of inviting to think well this guy is really rational but there's no distinction between feeling and rationality and logic they all go together but again I try to stay away from the extremes of pleasure and pain, suffering and loving. This is good. This is bad. In the middle is, this is pure oh, speaking being. Speaking of
4: neutral, let me answer that question because this is my latest excitement. Is I've um, So you mentioned, Louis, that you're continuing to grow and evolve. And mine shows up in these ways of by the month and by the week, I'm seeing like, oh, I've popped into this aspect of humanness. Now I'm experiencing this <laughs> like I'm so excited to,
1: yes, it's to, very know, exciting.
4: to to know human, right? This is what this path part is for for me. Um, so in July, I had my very first time when I let go of the wish for others to be, be um, you know, the... What I mentioned earlier, Thirst. right, that was painful about seeing people have a gap between them and themselves. Yes. I let that go in Wonderful. just only July right. of this year. So that it was like, oh, I release my my wish that people not have suffering, or I release my wish that anything be different anywhere, mm-hmm. high and low, mm-hmm. top and bottom, you know, than it is. And I, uh, for myself, I had already let that piece go, but for the, you know, for the whole, Um, the neutral in terms of body and sensuality and sexuality that I heard you talk about earlier, just a few moments ago, Justin, which is, you called it indulgence. Right, indulgence in sexuality and sexual. Uh, well, not sexual, but
5: sen- sensual. Uh, so uh, it means uh, of the five senses.
4: Yeah, but, but yeah. so the I know word indulgence. It sounds like it's it's better to talk important. sensory.
3: Sensory is the, much, w- much more neutral. instead but the of central, word sensory.
4: Indulgence. Yeah, I mean, the word indulgence carries with it the judgment. As
5: yes, so it's <laughs> true. Stay yeah. away that. From was that. his cultural baggage. The Buddhist.
3: Right, yeah. right. Cultural baggage, so yeah.
4: so an example of, got to go.
3: Uh, No, no, no. go ahead and finish and then I'll have my final words.
4: The example is the, um, the, of neutrality because neutrality is what I've been coming into much more, not an intellectual idea of neutrality, but truly like this place of, Oh, okay. Just, I recognize the qualities and the aspects of this, but there isn't a need to move that needle to the left or to the right or up or down. Um, when there is um uh, an invitation to to connect with somebody in a way that is sensual i'm just gonna use that word um the uh, a binary type of relating is okay does this is this safe or not safe? Is this good or is this bad is you know it's it's trying to categorize it right versus yeah. in the neutral space in the middle space the feeling sense and the rational recognize it's just energy and recognize and all I have back to the word option. I have the option of dancing with that energy of um, for whatever moments we together here have danced with each other in an energy. Um, But so I'm, I'm more and more in this place. So it's ironic. I want to put forth the irony Right, of if somebody wanted to narrate that past iteration and say, oh, it must have been this and it must have been neutral of emotion to be a peak being and a peak, uh, you know, longevity of experience. And this must be, you know, in contrast, but actually I was quite attached in that iteration to peace and love and compassion and, um, you know, holy joy and all those things. Where mm-hmm. now, there is uh, the middle part is what I'm getting to know, and I also That's knew, beautiful. you know, strife and, and difficulties of a different source too over there, or yes. Yes. over there too. But yes, just wanting to have that voice of experience here, that neutral is quite juicy, and yes. neutral is quite um, it's, it is not a stone cold. Cold. And it's not being cold. In texture. Listen,
3: I hope you come back, Esthery. I hope you don't just have you don't do the butterfly effect. You go to this flower. This this is a flower that you just found. And then you just go to all the flowers and you you do not come back to it. I hope What you come I do back.
4: is I always look for the highest vibration thing in that moment. So well, if, you're if, free if, to do so. That's not neutral. That's not neutral.
3: <laughs> but but now I sure hope I sure hope you come back to next Saturday to the to the to the our Thank next you. Zoom. And Justin, Um yes, I, I hope think, think come you come
2: back to to spend another one and a half hours of wasted time in your life. Uh-huh. No, this Justin, is very good. yeah, you, it's you a, planted very the seed.
1: Conversation.
3: Uh, you planted the seed. I think the best way to start is for all of us to read the Four Noble Truths. Yeah, access uh, to insight.org is perfect for that or .net. I don't know what they are. I
5: think you another source. Um, Sutta Central.
3: Okay, is a fantastic so The website. Four Noble Truths, the, 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 the Dhammachaka Pavatana mm-hmm. Sutra. Let's go ahead and make the focus of the discussion because it takes everything we've talked about. The hope gambit of this one and a half hours and it puts it in a poetic beautiful absolutely delightful way showing that any extreme any extreme and then of course we have to paraphrase we have to go deep into the meaning of extreme beyond what he puts in there the the the, the extreme of pleasure and the extreme of uh, asceticism it goes way beyond that so any extreme is where the mind just kind of gets uh, all duki, dukay. <laughs> and I think this would be a perfect, a perfect uh, 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 next. Uh, let's let's study, break down the four noble truths. What it is saying, True. it's the best psychotherapy for human beings I have ever uh, uncovered. And I, my final words are the first sutra of the Patanjali sutras on on the meditation, on yoga, yoga, Patanjali Sutras. And he says, yoga, it's not the first one. It's the, I think it's the second one or third one. Because he says, now that you understood, let's go deep into this. <coughs> and he says, yoga, shita, vritti, niroda. Niroda is dukkha niroda. Now I, I he says vritti, vritti, it's, uh, vritti niroda. So very, see, it's a contrasting term. It's not dukkha. It's vritti. And if you look at the term vritti, Looking it's the whirlwind, the world, the world, the uh, uh, whirlpool, or, you know, the, the the turning around, the churning okay. of the mind. Yoga, reality coming together with itself, yoke, the yin and the yang. Yoga is becoming one with oneself, reality seeing itself clearly through any consciousness is the cessation of mental agitation, the mental churning. And then you go away from the extremes and you go into ekagata, the no churning, absolute, clear, eternal, infinite, pure being.
4: One housekeeping request. Um, May I get a recording copy? since it's being recorded. Is it possible
2: yes. for you to send that? Yes, uh, I could send you uh, a link where you can download the, the file that has the video uh, uh, in two forms, like a speaker form where you only see the person that's speaking, or you can sh- see another video that has all four faces in those squares, like the gallery Thank view. You.
4: I would welcome that. I'm on Meetup because of the RSVP. So you may write through there to send the link. OK.
2: I can send you link that way. You can download them.
4: That and would I, be lovely. And Thank
2: you. Is, so Hydro, do you it's have It's OK estuaries? if I upload this to to YouTube. Uh, wake up and think clearly and make it, uh, um, instead of public, make it uh, unlisted. Like, like,
4: unlisted and private the way that you recommended before. It, just audio is nice up there but it's up oh, i could
2: also put the audio in uh in the wake up and think clearly podcast
5: <laughs> i'm okay with whatever you do with <laughs> you. <laughs> all right guys
4: bye-bye Listen, just, lovely uh, to see you Thuris. take care everyone and uh, I, i'm gonna
5: shoot now too so
4: yeah lovely to see oh, you. Esther, Esther. You.
5: nice to meet you for the first That's time you. You sure. Sure. Hiro. Esther, nice to meet to see you. See
3: you. you what a pleasure and Justin, nice to see we're you always. again. Yeah. Hiro, we're always, Love we're you too. <laughs> Love you too, guys.
4: Thank you, Oich. Bye-bye. Until next
2: time with the oh. Four Noble Truths.
3: Yeah. It's Saturday 7 a.m. I put it in my Eastern calendar. Eastern Standard Time. That's
4: why I was on my phone. <laughs> All right. Take Ciao. care. You too. Bye.
3: Bye. Wow, well, Jairo. Holy moly. We'll talk later. This was big. That was good. Take care. Thank you, Luis. I love you, man. We'll
0: do the Four Noble Truths next time. Indeed. Bye.
3: Bye Bye-bye.